and last week we went back to school too as we started a little short series on Bible 101. Actually, it's probably more like Bible 1 because in three weeks you can, can hardly scratch the surface. Last week we started out in the library and we covered four Bible basics and we noted how the, that the Bible is actually a library of 66 different books, all of different types. But they were all written to help us have life and live life. We heard Second Timothy say, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. John puts it even more succinctly at the end of, of his Gospel when he writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Today we're going to move from the library to class. <clears throat> what was your favorite class in school? And I, I know every, every kid says... Uh, recess and lunch. And, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what actual class? Just, who had a favorite class? What subject was history? Literature. Literature. Any other favorites out there? Math. Math. All right. Music. Music. There's, there's all sorts of, of wonderful things to, to, uh, to study and, and learn. And for me, it changed over time. When I was in second grade, I liked the writing part of school because my second grade teacher held a weekly story writing contest and the winner got a golden penny, a brand new penny. Imagine if a penny could motivate students today. <laughs> then when I'm into to middle school, junior high at the time, then I, I, I liked the art class where I could make pots and and do drawings and things like that. When I got into high school, it was science classes. And whether that be biology and dissecting pigs or, or chemistry and making all sorts of weird chemical experiments or physics and launching rockets, I, that was my favorite then. And when I got to college, my favorite classes were Bible classes. But I still took a bunch of math and science classes. And even today, I'm fascinated by science. And I read research papers in quantum physics and genetics and paleontology. I know I'm a little weird. But what I didn't know until college is that some people would think me not only weird, but wrong. Some of my Bible study classmates would say, how can you study that science stuff? Don't you know that science is against the Bible? You shouldn't be wasting your time studying that stuff. Which always seemed a little odd to me. Because how could studying what God has made be against God? 
The Bible itself promotes studying the universe. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them, says Psalm 111. And the heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge, says Psalm 19. Nobel Prize winning physicist Ernest Walton, the first person to artificially split the atom, was also a devout Methodist Christian. He too thought it was crazy for Christians to say that science is against the Bible. He said one way to learn more about the Creator is to study His creation. We must pay God the compliment of studying His work of art. And that should apply to all realms of human thought. Our refusal to use our intelligence honestly is an act of contempt for Him who gave us that intelligence. I just could never figure out why some of my Christian friends were so against studying what God had made. Of course, I also couldn't figure out why some of my science classmates were so against God. I mean, not all were, because uh, many were Christians, but, but a few would say, I don't know why you study that Bible stuff. Only they didn't use the word stuff. I don't know why you, why you study that that Bible stuff. You, you can't believe science and the Bible. Now, of course, none of them had ever read the Bible, for, so how would they really know? But they were, seemed to be completely ignorant of the fact that many of the great scientific discovery have been made by Christians. Catholic monk Gregor Mendel gave us genetics. Francis Collin, who was an atheist but became a Christian, led the Human Genome Project, discovering our human genome. There's a Quaker astrophysicist, Jocelyn Bell Burnell, who discovered pulsars, who also wrote a book asking, can a scientist be a Christian? And of course, saying yes. There's Lutheran, Werner Heisenberg, who gave us quantum mechanics and, and the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which says that you can't measure a particle's position and momentum with certainty at the same time. Now, I know I'm kind of geeking out on you here. So let me, just, uh, let me just mention that as of a couple years ago, the last time I could find some statistics on this, 72% of the Nobel chemistry prizes went to Christians. 62% of the Nobel prizes in medicine went to Christians. 65% of the Nobel Prizes in physics went to Christians. Only 10% of Nobel scientists have been atheist or agnostic. Most of them have been believers. So where did this idea come from that to study science, you have to reject the Bible? Or to study the Bible, you have to reject science? Now, why do people think it's an either-or thing? I mean, it's such a common misconception that it even showed up in the comic section the other day. This family circus uh, uh, comic. This family's uh, overlooking the Grand Canyon, and little Billy says, The ranger said the river dug the canyon, Mommy, and you said God did. Who's right? 
And I guess we're supposed to laugh at, at the thought of mom squirming to answer that question. But why do people think that science and faith are in some epic winner-take-all grudge match? My guess is because some Christians have misused the Bible and, and some scientists have misused science. Galileo is probably the poster child for those who think that faith and science are, are mortal enemies. Remember Galileo from, uh, from history class, those, those who liked history and actually stayed awake? Galileo is sometimes called the father of, of the scientific method, but he's most famous for promoting the idea that the earth revolves around the sun rather than the sun and everything else revolving around the earth. Now, he wasn't the first to propose that, but, but with his use of the newly discovered telescope and the popularity of his books, scientists and church leaders of his day felt that he had to be stopped for teaching something so utterly ridiculous and anti-biblical. See, it was the accepted science of the time that the sun goes around the earth. I mean, the Greeks taught it, and anybody that steps outside can see it. The sun comes up in the east, it sets in the west, and we just stand here in the middle. Everybody knew that. Science, scientists knew that. And if their opposition was the only opposition to Galileo, it probably would have all blown over. But the Roman church got involved as well. Because they felt that, that what he was teaching was against the Bible, and they had to defend the Bible, as if the Bible needed defending. And so he was brought in for a trial on heresy. His books were banned from being printed, and he was put under house arrest for the rest of his life. And so what was this great heresy? Did he challenge God the Creator did Galileo argue that Jesus never lived? Did he reject prayer or the church or salvation? No. His crime was that his teaching seemed to violate how some people were reading the Bible. And by some people, the official reading of the church at the time. His crime was Ecclesiastes 1.5 in the Bible says this. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. And Psalm 104 says, He set the earth on its foundations, it cannot be moved. And this is what I mean by the misuse of Scripture. See, Ecclesiastes 1 is not a science textbook to describe the movements of the solar system. It's Solomon's lament that life can seem meaningless sometimes. Just the same old thing over and over again. Listen to what, what it actually says. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. 
to the place the streams come from. There they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. Generations come and generations go. The sun rises and the sun sets and it rises again. Same old, same old. It feels so meaningless, says the teacher. And it does sometimes, doesn't it? We get in this rut and it just, life just seems this endless circle that's meaningless. But see the difference? Solomon is speaking the truth. He is speaking the truth about the human condition. He's describing how he feels, not solar physics. So, and I, and I know it's just, it's taken me a long time to get here. But so, Bible basic number five. Read the books of the Bible for what the Bible wants to tell us. Pay attention to the points that the Bible is trying to make. Or to put it another way, let the Bible be the teacher. Let the Bible ask the questions. Don't use it like a Ouija board or, or like that magic eight ball to answer whatever random question that you might have about science or anything else. Like I said last week, it's not Wikipedia. The Bible was written for a purpose. And that purpose is that you may know God and have life through Jesus Christ. Abundant, eternal life. The Bible's not concerned that you know astrophysics. Although if you want to study it, it's great. But the Bible is concerned that you know God. You can see it from the very first verse in the whole Bible. Remember that one, that first sentence? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is a story about who? God. And the Bible is also a story about why. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Science asks a bunch of questions about what and how, but the Bible focuses on who? God. And why? For God so loved. And here's where my classmates misuse science. They started out with a rejection of God. Not because science proves it one way or another. I mean, science itself doesn't ask or answer that question. They simply believed on faith, if you may, that there is no God and that the universe is a godless place, just a collection of atoms with no purpose and without meaning. At least that's what they said they believed. I don't actually believe them because they certainly didn't act like the universe had no purpose. They loved the earth and treated it like a divine gift, not like simply one purposeless rock among billions and billions of other purposeless planets. In fact, some of them loved the earth so much that, that they almost worshipped it like a god. And of course, that isn't new either. Romans chapter 1 describes how we can all look out and see creation. And we can either be moved to worship and honor and thanks for our creator, 
Or we can reject God and put something else in God's place. And when we do, we start treating things that that we've made like they were God. We worship the creature rather than the creator. And professing to be wise, we become fools, Romans says. And it's not just my classmates turning their science into a god. We do it with our politics, we do it with our possessions, with our sports, with our our money, with our intellect, and, and sometimes even with our ignorance. Rejecting the Bible without even reading it. Insisting on a meaningless universe as if that were something to be celebrated rather than bewailed like Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Rejecting God in the name of science is a fool's errand, and rejecting science in the name of defending the Bible is just as ridiculous. They're not in this epic grudge match. God created all the things of the universe, and they, can go, they go hand in hand. So, once again, we're, we're coming to the end of our time, and we'll pick up uh, next week. Next week, we're going to look at, uh, at some math in the Bible, all those numbers that, uh, that you see so many times from the number seven or three or 40 days and, and 40 nights, uh, 666, all those kinds of things. What, what do all those numbers mean in the Bible, and how do they help us understand God's Word? That's math next week, and for those of you who, who didn't raise your hand and say math was your favorite, um, don't worry. It's, it's going to be basic math. It'll be very simple. But for now... I just want to remind you of our Bible basic for today and give you a homework assignment. So Bible basic number five, read the books of the Bible for what the Bible wants to tell us. Especially see what they say about the who and the why. And today's homework assignment is this. Read Psalm 8. It can help if we read from a number of different translations. So if you can do it, do it. Read Psalm 8 in a number of different translations. And as you read it, try to read it as it was written. Not as an explanation of all the details of creation, but as an expression of amazement that with a universe so grand, God actually cares about me and you. Who? God. Why? For God so loved. So that's the homework. Read Psalm 8 this week. There will not be a test. Let us pray. God, when we look out at at this world, whether it's simply looking through our eyes on a starry night and seeing the glories of the night sky, or whether we're looking deep into astrophysics and marveling at the complexity of it all, Lord, help us to to not be afraid to study what you've given us. But help us also to see you. To see you who has gifted us with this marvelous universe. And yet, as big as it is, who cares for each one of us. For you love so much that you gave us Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.